Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Cowboys and cowgirls, and welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. More specifically, I'm feeling very Mexican today, uh, despite I haven't checked Ancestry.com. I don't believe I'm very Mexican at all. But it's not Noche UFC. Our T-Mobile Arena, we have got a banger fight night. This feels something between, as far as the level of card... Somewhere between a fight night with a crowd and a pay-per-view. It's not quite pay-per-view territory, but it feels a bit more like that than just your average fight night with a crowd. So it is going to be a banger. Today is all about live reactions. So the card is on now. Just finished the preliminary card. About to launch into the main. And essentially, the focus of this episode, Noche, UFC, uh, which, look, the focus of Noche UFC uh, is a highlight on the Mexican fighters, uh, which there's the UFC Performance Institute that they're working on in Mexico. You've got the women's flyweight champion representing Mexico, Alexa Grasso, in the main event. Uh, So it's all about that Mexican spotlight. And I've got a couple of songs. I hope I don't get this taken down for copyright. Let me just say... I may or may not own the rights to these songs. Now, they're only going to come on for Mexican fighters. And very briefly, I'm not going to play the songs for long. But we get a little bit of a Mexican flavor today. Uh, And there will be one other track because it's in the first fight. And I just, it came to me, it came to my brain and I laughed. And I was like, is that too stupid to include in the podcast? We will see. Uh, but yeah, Noche UFC, big, biggest highlight on this card from Vegas, uh, the Mexican fighters. Now we've got a championship main event, the rematch. Uh, this is what the card has been built around. The champion this time around, Alexa Grasso, unbeaten since moving up to flyweight, up against the dominant former champion, uh, the woman who ruled 125 pounds for the longest time, in Valentina Bullet Shevchenko. Uh, so I'll be doing live reactions for that fight. Uh, we're uh, maybe a couple of hours away. I've just had a coffee, so I'm pretty hyped up. Uh, we've also got a huge co-main event. Of course, I'm from New Zealand, also Australian, living in Australia. Uh, so the co-main event has a lot of significance to me. Uh, I don't believe he's Mexican, but Jack Della Maddalena. Up against Kevin Holland, this is by far uh, the most exciting fight we've seen Jack Della Maddalena in. And I feel like for Kevin Holland, I mean, he's been in plenty of big fights. Uh, but this could be the funnest one we've seen him in as well. So that one, those two co-main main events, or those two main events, that that's where my bread is buttered, essentially. Holy shit, like that welterweight co-main event... It's going to be off its titties. And then, 
We get a championship fight night main event for free on TV. Easy as fuck to put on. I've got fight pass. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. It's on. And we got a fucking title fight and a big one, a rematch. And I'll tell you what, at the moment, two of my favorite divisions, middleweight, uh, because we are seeing a surge of major contenders. Uh, and I think 2024, 185 is going to be swimming with contenders. Uh, we have one on the prelims portion who had a pretty big finish. So I'll get into that. Uh, but one of my other favorite divisions, women's flyweight. Uh, two of my absolute favorites, right in title contention for the next shot. Uh, Manon Fior, who I've been following for quite some time now, and Aaron Blanchfield, uh, who it didn't take me too long, took me one time betting against her to realize, holy shit, this chick is the real deal. Uh, so women's flyweight, I believe 100% in the female ranks, the most exciting division, uh, but I also think across the board, one of the most exciting divisions. Uh, so as I said, where are we at? About seven minutes from the main card opener. From memory, it might be Christos Giagos, a UFC veteran in his second stint with the promotion, six and six uh, in the UFC overall, up against Daniel Goldenboy, Zell Huber, uh, the Mexican fighter, one of many on this card. Uh, so I will go fight by fight for the main card. If you haven't heard of Thoughts and Comments podcast before, essentially what it is, I'll give some thoughts before the fight, including my prediction, uh, which right now I haven't had one wrong, and most of them, the methods of victory, have been right. So the predictions, I'm feeling pretty good about that, but at the same time, the podcast is going to come out after the fight, so it's not that much fucking use. Spending that long talking about the predictions, it's not like you can uh, use that information. So then it becomes more just self-indulgent. So fight by fight for the main card. Uh, before that, I'm going to jump into a rapid preliminary card review. And I'll just go through all the action that happened in the prelims. Uh, and we'll, we'll keep it moving nice and quickly. I kind of have to because it's now five minutes until the main card opener. I said, that's what's in store, thoughts before the fight, comments after, and we'll finish off with my performance highlights, fight of the night, performances of the night, uh, talking point, things like that. Uh, but other than that, nothing else to do, but get amongst it, notch UFC thoughts and comments. I'm thinking Justice League. If you're familiar, I'm thinking Flash in his red suit, zooming. That, imagine me in that red suit, Flash mode. That is how we are approaching the preliminary card. Uh, up first, it was, oh, I'm on the wrong card. I'm on next weekend's card. That, imagine that if I just pulled out all the fucking results from next week's prelims. Uh, but we opened up with Josephine Knutson or something. Uh, up against Manik Mann. To be honest, somehow I stayed up till 4 a.m. Just being a fucking degenerate, like betting on Turkish football and shit. We don't need to talk about what I was doing. Uh, but Australian time, this started at like 9 a.m. So I woke up and put it on my phone. 
uh, because I had Josephine Knudsen to win by decision. I also made a nickname for her that I think she would hate. Uh, I did a preview podcast. I just didn't finish it. I got it just I ran out of time, unfortunately, which was fucking uh, annoying. But Josephine, no nuts in November by decision over Manik Man, uh, who takes that fight on short notice. I kind of slept, to be honest. Looking at it, massive striking advantage, 81 significant strikes for Josephine, plus three takedowns compared to eight significant strikes for Manik Man, no takedowns. Uh, so it seems clearly dominant, so good on Josephine, a uh, good win to start. And like I said, today I come equipped with a couple of songs. Uh, what I would also like to say is that these songs are not affiliated with the podcast. This is not a part of the podcast. This is merely music that I happen to be playing off my phone, in my own room, in my own time, making no money from doing so. So if anyone wants to pull copyrights and things like that, just consider. You're really stomping on the little guys here. Anyway, uh, today's mainly Mexican songs to just give a bit of a an alert of Mexican spotlight moment. But Josephine Knudsen is Swedish, so we're just a little um, snippet of Swedish House Mafia. Now, Swedish House Mafia, guys, if you're listening, again, I'm just playing this off my phone. But yeah, congratulations to Josephine Knudsen. Winner, I don't even think I'm saying that right. Winner by decision. And congratulations to Swedish House Mafia. Rest in peace. Avicii, was he part of it? He may have just done his own thing. I don't know if he needed to be in a group. Anyway, then we moved on to lightweight action. I was still sleeping, kind of, but I did go back and watch this. This was my pick, first round knockout, Charlie Campbell, uh, who we'd seen before in a losing effort on Contender Series, up against Alex Reyes, who we hadn't seen since 2017. Uh, There were just too many question marks there uh, when I was making my pick around Alex Reyes. And when we did last see him about six years ago, over, he got knocked out in the first round by Mike Perry, who's pretty fucking awesome. But Charlie Campbell also likes to knock people out, and he knocked Alex Reyes out in the first round. Now, Charlie Campbell took that fight on short notice. Welcome to the UFC, brother. Fantastic win. That'll be in line for one of the performance highlights at the end of the podcast. Uh, Then, as I kind of had my coffee and was waking up, Watched Tracy Cortez, a pretty clear-cut decision win. Uh, she had the edge and the striking throughout the contest. Up against Jasmine, Jazz DeVicious. Uh, now, my thoughts before the fight, when I recorded the podcast that is to never be heard by anyone, damn, um, my pick was Cortez by decision. But I said both of these women are in a great position, and the winner... Uh, Like, essentially, the way I talked about it is on prelims, fight night, a lot of the time there are fights where if you win, it's, like, good on you, and you move forward, but there are certain rates that you move forward. Like, say, Josephine Knudsen beating Manik Mann, that'll move her forward, definitely a great win. Uh, But Jazz DeVicious, Tracy Cortez, that's a real top prospect versus top prospect matchup. And that is right around the realm of top 15 as well. Uh, So my biggest thought going into that one, 
winner takes a giant leap forward at 125. And I spoke at the start, women's flyweight, one of my favorite divisions. Casey O'Neill, another one I like a lot, uh, although she hasn't been picking up the wins as of late. Tracy Cortez, another one in this mix. She gets the win. She says she wants to go uh, toward the title next year. And that is pretty much in line with what my thoughts were before this fight. Those are the kind of areas that I thought the winner would start reaching. Now, Manon Fior, I believe she's next for a title shot. You have Erin Blanchfield, Talia Santos, still in there. Tracy Cortez versus Talia Santos. That could be a matchup. Uh, there are some other names like Jennifer Meyer, Catelyn Chikagan. Cortez is now very much in the thick of it. Major bounce back for her. Been a little while since we have seen her. And I actually think, I don't actually think, I actually know uh, that she is one of the Mexican representatives. So there we go. We got a little uh, congratulations to Tracy Cortez. Very legitimate win. And now she enters the title picture. Coming off a breakup, well, it's a pretty good way to respond. Some of us in a breakup, well, some of us may take our time, respond, heal. Some of us, well, may go for the rebound. Sometimes rebound's good. Sometimes the immediate rebound, not so good. Tracy Cortez has rebounded by fucking entering the woman's flyweight title picture. Pretty damn good. Congratulations to her. I think the main card fight uh, open is about to start. So, what I'm going to do, we had three other prelim fights. I'm going to get into this main card opener. Thoughts before, comments after. And then I'll quickly run through the other three prelim fights. So just quickly, first three, Josephine, no nuts in November, by decision. Charlie Campbell, by knockout, turned into the fucking rock after the fight. Tracy Cortez enters the title picture. Three more prelims to get into. Uh, but now we've got one of the many young Mexican prospects, Fernando Padilla, making his sophomore appearance in the octagon. Uh, coming off a win on debut, first round knockout over Julian Arosa. Now he takes on another veteran in Canadian, Kyle the Monster Nelson, 14-5 and 1 record from Stony Creek, Canada. I have all this information right in front of me because they're about to start fighting. Uh, I'm going Fernando Padilla in this. Kyle Nelson uh, looked phenomenal in his last fight against Blake Builder. Really shut down uh, the confidence of Builder. But I think Padilla is the real deal. He's from Chihuahua, Mexico. Uh, so I think you kind of know what I'm going to play if he gets the win here. And he has a 15-4 record. I think he's the real deal. Uh, I've gone Padilla head-to-head. -head. As far as this one, I didn't see any clear method of victory. I've actually gone decision. I think Kyle Nelson will really make him work for it. Uh, but if he gets a finish, holy shit. Either way, main card opener. Huge fight night. Notch UFC. If Whoever gets the win, massive boost for their stock. Let's see how it goes down. They're about to kick off, so I'll be back in a moment with some comments. 
Canadian spoils the party. This one's O Canada for all you national anthem lovers. I'm not huge on national anthems. Love the New Zealand one. Anyway, anyway. Carl Nelson uh, with the decision win. Crowd booed it. I'll tell you right now, today I'm here to watch the fights for fun. So I'll tell you this much for free. I was not judging it. If you want me to say, like, it was 29, 28 this way, well, sometimes I was on Instagram. Not the whole time. I was watching the fight. But, like, you're yeah, not getting a scorecard out of me. Now, when it was going the distance, first of all, this has been one of the fights of the night so far. A really fun. Like, Carl Nelson just brings it. The ultimate test. Um, we saw Fernando Padilla have to experience much more adversity and much more of a challenge than he did in his debut. Now Padilla, he copped the L, uh, but as far as experience, invaluable for him here. Uh, and he looks like a very talented fighter that I believe can bounce back. Uh, but the result belonged to Kyle Nelson. Now going toward the scorecards, two things in my mind. One, I just stopped judging fights because I was like, the judges half the time seem to have a very different opinion to what I do. So, And I was, so I'm just like, what the fuck does it matter? Sometimes it's fun for the podcast, like, to discuss uh, these things. But going into this one, my thoughts were just, one, judges are fucking rogue, and two, uh, I had my money on Padilla, but I just thought, and by decision, but I was like, either way, like, I was like, if Carl Nelson gets his hand raised... Um, I'll be happy with that. And if Padilla gets his hand raised, I'll be happy with that. Uh, they say don't leave it to the judges. Both guys left it to the judges. The judges decided Carl Nelson. Uh, for most of the fight I was watching, he was in control. Uh, Padilla did have his moments. But Carl Nelson, let's give this man his flowers. I went through a bit of a rough patch, two consecutive losses, then a draw earlier this year against Duho, uh, Duho Choi. Then... In Canada, he takes on Blake Builder. Now, Blake Builder, I don't really like to criticize or take a critical uh, focal point from how guys prepare or get up for a cage fight because I don't do it. Like, it's, I, yeah, I don't go into the cage to fight people. So I don't like looking at people and judging their preparation too much because I'm like, they're the fucking one doing it, right? Blake Builder just, the vibe I got was, and he was coming off a win against Shane Young, decision win, not like that has aged fantastic, still an epic debut, travelled down to Australia, uh, but Blake Builder comes to Canada, they're talking about um, the fighter meeting in the commentary and how Blake Builder has an entourage and you know, he's got this real like superstar presence. And he came out like he was the hottest fucking prospect you will ever see. And Kyle Nelson, from minute one to 15 of that fight, from minute one, Blake Builder's there like, fuck yeah, this ain't going the distance. Minute 15, the confidence had just been drained from him. It was a masterful performance from Kyle Nelson in Canada. And I think that's what's next for him. That is what he called out after the win. Because uh, now... He said he's beaten these young prospects, Blake Builder, one of them. Now he's beaten Padilla, who really was the one positioned for the breakout performance here. 
Kyle Nelson, though, he gets the rub. He's called out Cub Swanson. I think that's a perfect matchup. Why not make it? Funnily enough, Cub Swanson was the biggest fuckover with the judges against Hakeem Dawoodoo. Uh, I had a $10 bet going. I would have won $6,000 if the judges thought Hakeem won that fight, which I did. But Cub won, and it was left to the judges. So it fucking is what it is. I never take away from the winner. You know, there was never a discredit to Cub Swanson. He went the 15 minutes, and that fight was very close. Like, I, Cub Swanson won. I was like, that is what it is, essentially. Uh, but Kyle Nelson, Cub Swanson, there's whispers or even yells, Toronto! What, I can't, I don't want to yell in case you've got headphones on. Um, but Toronto in January, fucking epic. I say book the fight. If it's a pay-per-view, you could put it as a main card uh, opener. Depends what they're going to go. If it's fight night, it'll be one of the fucking big fights. But I believe it'll be a pay-per-view Toronto. That kind of makes sense. I can see this being a prelim, Cub Swanson, Carl Nelson. But I wouldn't argue if it's on the main as well. I think he's deserved it. Two back-to-back wins over prospects. Give him an experienced vet, Cub Swanson. And if he beats Cub, like, now you're not just adding prospects to the resume. He's adding someone like a Cub Swanson. And he can really move himself forward within the division. Carl Nelson, everybody. Congratulations to him. Um, we've got Christos Giagos making the walk for our next fight against Daniel Zelhuber. I uh, said quickly, I'll go through the other three preliminary fights. So let's quickly get amongst that right now. Second half of the prelims, we had Mexico's Edgar Chárez. Uh, in his sophomore appearance after a decision loss uh, where he showed a lot of spirit against Tatsuru Taira up against Daniel Lacerda who all we've seen from him at UFC is him getting finished now as for the result let me hit the music Edgar Chárez by first round submission Chris Tyone calls it stop the music Uh, I'll tell you who actually called it, Daniel Cormier. Now this, not a submission, overruled. Overruled to, I think, a no contest or something like that. Ah, goodness gracious. Daniel Cormier called this perfectly. Now, coming into the fight, Daniel Lacerda actually looked good through the early stages. Then, that's where shit got interesting. Chárez, he locks in a chokehold. Then... DC, like they're saying, they're explaining Dom Cruz and DC, two fucking absolute all-time legends of the sport, have been in all sorts of situations, pretty much every situation in a fight or training camp, sparring, that you can imagine. They were both saying Lacerda is fine in this situation, and there are a lot of reasons they were suggesting, you know, he may want Chárez to burn his arms out early in the fight. And Daniel Cormier says, Chris Tyone, I hope he doesn't call it here. And I was thinking, like, no way, why would he call it here? And then Chris Tyone called it here. And, yeah, it was not a submission. Super, super unfortunate for both guys. For Chárez, 
what could have potentially been a win tonight now turns into a blemish on his record for Daniel Lacerda. He didn't submit. He wasn't submitted. And he didn't get the opportunity to fight his fight. Very unfortunate. So yeah, that one overturned. Two more prelims to get into, but holy shit. We got Zell Huber and Giagos kicking off literally right now. They just touched gloves. Uh, so I'll get into the other two prelims in a moment. You know what? I'll just get into them now whilst giving some thoughts. Uh, Raymond Kopolov gets the knockout over Josh Fremd. Total masterclass. Fremd was bloodied. It was just levels. Levels. Roman Kopolov was levels above. Uh, I've spoken about middleweight a lot, how I think going into 2024 and 2025, there's just going to be contenders coming out the fucking wazoo, uh, which was really put in place once earlier this year. There was no one to challenge Izzy around the June mark or like international fight week kind of territory. Uh, so now there are all these prospects. Roman Kopolov is one of them. And my biggest takeaway from that finish, huge body shot in round two, by the way, but the whole fight, like, Fram just, he couldn't get him, couldn't really touch him, and Kopolov, masterful performance. Now, I looked at the top 15, and Andre Muniz, who's on a slide, he, did he win his last fight? He may have, I think he might, I can't even remember. But he hasn't been in great form. I think Kopolov takes that spot immediately. I think you put Kopolov straight in the top 15, and you give him a ranked opponent next. That's where he's at. Holy shit, Christos Giagos just quietly in the first round fucking um, putting some real pressure with the striking on Zell Huber. But yeah, that was a Kopilov fight. Biggest takeaway. Don't say it. Don't say it. I'm sorry if this offends anyone. Put the cunt in the top 15 because he's epic. I'm becoming a big fan of his work. And he's someone, obviously very different fighters with different backgrounds. But kind of like Sergei Pavlovich, they both had a ton of hype coming into the UFC, but it hasn't been a perfect run. They both uh, experienced a bit of a setback early on. Pavlovich certainly has got it together. And Kopolov, you would have to say, has done the same. There are a lot of exciting fresh matchups uh, that you could make in the middleweight division. And there are plenty of guys around that top 10 who fought each other. I don't know what someone uh, like a Roman Delidze is doing. That could be a fun fight. Uh, but Roman Kopolov put the Russian fucking banger in the top 15. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. Then featured prelim spotlight. Uh, this was a big deal. Lupi Godinez up against Elise Reed, who took the fight on short notice. Domination from Godinez. Second round submission. The finish, that is the real point of difference here. Because either way, I mean, the crowd, this was the point where the crowd really exploded. And now, obviously, they're going off their teat for the main card. Uh, but this was like the major turning point in the card where it was like, okay, fuck. Now it's on for young and old. So Gadinas has propelled herself. She's someone as well. Angela Hill sitting 15th in the strawweight division. Lupi Gadinas. She's another one like Kopilov, where her next move, especially after winning the way that she did, her next move, it makes sense to put her up 
against a ranked opponent, or she moves in there now. A lot of action to kind of cast our eye on over the week. Uh, so those were the prelims. We are a minute away uh, from the end of the first round in Zelhuba Giegos. So I'm going to hit my royalty-free music. Oh, one second. I didn't have any Russian music for Kopolov. I'm sorry. Uh, but it was epic. It deserved some Russian music. But Lupi Godinez, one of the many Mexican spotlight fighters. Uh, so after the false alarm with Edgar Chávez, we finally get to hit the music. Lupi Godinez. Top 15 honors. Maybe they don't put her straight in there. Uh, but she, yeah, ranked opponent next, second round submission. And it's a night for these fighters to go from fighters to superstars. We hit the pause on the music. Lupi Godinez, what a way to set the tone for the main card, uh, which I'm balls deep in at the moment. Coming to the end of round one between Giagos and Huber. I'll hit the music, quickly give some thoughts, then I better watch this fight because I can give some comments. Okay, thoughts on this lightweight contest. Daniel Zalhuba from Mexico City, Mexico, up against Christos Giagos, veteran of the UFC, has fought guys like Charles Oliveira, had back-to-back losses after being one of those guys who was in and around at the mix at 155. Comes back last time out, first round knockout uh, over Ricky Glenn. Then you have Daniel Zellhuber, went 11-0 to start his career, got a shot on Contender Series, gets the win there, loses to Trey Ogden uh, on his promotional debut, but bounced back with a crisp, clean, uh, very impressive decision win over Lando Venata. I've gone Zellhuber by decision here. Round two just started, so... You know what, I'll give you some live uh, first minute of round two and then I'll hit pause and I'll watch the rest of the fight. Uh, so as for round one, I was obviously talking. The main thing that caught my fucking eye uh, was Giagos throwing hands and Zellhuber on the back foot. We got a tweet from Korean John. I'm actually a fan of his work, but the tweet is gone. 10-9 from someone else, Ryan Frederick. The mute button is in the way. Giagos takes the first. Yeah, from about the 11 seconds I looked at, here's a scorecard, 10-9 from me. There you fucking go. Uh, so Zell Huber could be under pressure again, though. Like, if this goes the distance, uh, I'm past the judges. Like, either way, if, if they could put out the most egregious decision that is so clearly wrong, I'm past it. Like, it just means I'm numb to it. It means fucking nothing to me now because they do it a lot. They do it a lot. Uh, anyway, I'll hit pause, Zellhuber. Definitely still in this fight. I did only watch 11 seconds of the first round. The betting line still had him as a favorite. Holy shit. Sorry, I'm speaking quite fast. Zellhuber, I'm going to keep this live. He's actually... See, what Giagos did in the first round, where he's putting a bit of fucking... How's it going? Fucking knock you out pressure. Uh, Zellhuber's doing that now. Giagos trying to wrestle. What's interesting, too... Uh, one thing I identified in my research, hashtag research, hashtag nerd, uh, was that Giagos, 50% of his losses, he's 20 and 10, 
50% of his losses, 5 of 10, by way of submission. Now, Zell Huber, predominantly a striker, does have two wins by way of submission. So I was interested uh, in the preview podcast I did that never saw the light of day. I was talking about, like, I was very interested how much percentage striking do we see and how much percentage wrestling. Well, I'll tell you one thing, a stat that just came up, which now I believe maybe Zell Huber ahead. Uh, he has four from four takedown defenses. So Giagos, striking-wise early, he really looked good. Zell Huber, second round, taking control on the feet and could have been doing the same in the first. I wasn't paying full attention. I was literally talking on this podcast. Uh, but Giagos was, was the one that's engaged in the wrestling, and he hasn't been successful in it. So that really swings the pendulum in favor of the young prospect. Giagos coming back with a pretty good right hand there, though. It's a fun fight to watch, too. Um, Zell Huber long, very rangy with the kicks. Uh, I'm going to go to the end of the second round live. I'm kind of blabbling, but yeah, I'm just telling you what's in front of me. So first round, not paying the most attention. Did see a, f a fucking pretty cool flurry from Giagos. A couple of cunts on Twitter think fucking Giagos. And that means you know it's true. Fucking some kind of submission going on here. Oh, we got a tap. We got a tap. We got a fucking tap. We got a tap. I need some music. I need the music. Fucking Zellhuber. There you go. Like I said, Zellhuber with two submission wins. Now three. But that seemed to be the area to exploit in Giagos' game. What's even more so impressive, he displayed excellent striking. He came back from a bit of adversity. So the grappling, the takedown defense, the fucking submission, the finish. In a spotlight position, Zell Huber has just ticked all of the boxes. And for that, we thank him. I'm interested to see what he says in the post-fight. Oh, Giagos, he looks shattered. Unbelievably so. He'd probably be like, I'm fucking sick of getting submitted. To that I say, how do you think Jay Ellis feels? Shout out to him. Okay, seeing a replay. Got a couple more seconds of the music. Sorry if this has been annoying the shit out of you. It's a bit of a theme for today. Um, yeah. Again, this is background music, not copyrighted. But yeah, they're showing the striking, and then one Zell Huber was... Okay, let me just... <laughs> one Zell Huber was fucking rocking him. Giagos kept shooting, and then he went to shoot. Zell Huber, hard to tell whether he's been training this, which would make a ton of sense, uh, or whether he's pulled it out of his ass. Uh, but he submits Christos Giagos. Uh, and it was my point of difference in this one, the gym for Zell Huber. Extreme Couture, Eric Nixick who just last weekend was in Sydney helping Sean Strickland win the middleweight title. Now he's here, lifting Zell Huber in the air. As far as spotlight moment, you know, really adding star quality, building your way up the ranks. Tick, tick, tick. Every area, it's a tick. I feel for Giagos. You can see it in the dude's eyes uh, that he is shattered. And that's kind of, it's the side you don't get to see. And unfortunately with UFC, I shouldn't laugh, but the guys who lose, then it's like fucking hell. Dana White is paying me like $70 fucking like, 
shit. So yeah, Giagos looks shattered, wrecked. But on the bright side, Zell Huber has a giant sombrero and he's living it up. The crowd, I mean, this is a great way to get the crowd ready for the three final fights, which are all massive. So Zell Huber, submission win. I want to hear the interview. Uh, they're about to read the decision, but there you go. We caught that one live on the fly. And as you heard, it was as quick as that. I was like, oh, there's some kind of grappling exchange. And oh, he's tapped. He's tapped. It was as quick as that. So yeah, Markashev Oliveira 2. That's our next pay-per-view, October 21st. Just like a month away. Uh, I'm wheezing like the kid from Malcolm in the Middle. Um, but I could do it maybe one pay-per-view before then. It would have been cool if even if it's even if it's not no title fight or whatever. That would one concept I'd like, you know? One in the next couple of weeks instead of these Apex. Anyway, I'm fucking I'm blabbling. So Zell Huber gets a win. I'm gonna listen to the interview. Uh, we'll hit that up and then we'll get into the next fight. Alright, just lastly on the impressive win for Daniel Golden Boy Zell Huber. I uh, just spoke about his team and how he just saw the opportunity when Giagos shot for the submission. And Danny Boy also gave shout out to Mexican Independence Day. Fuck yeah to Mexico. Fuck yeah to Mexicans. If you're Mexican, enjoy Mexican Independence Day. If you're Hispanic, even if you're just celebrating it, enjoy. I feel like I'm celebrating it today, thanks to the UFC. So fuck yeah. I grew up in New Zealand and Australia. So very multicultural. I went to school and grew up around a lot of Asians, Samoans, Tongans, a lot, a lot of different sorts. Not heaps of Mexicans. And yeah. It seems like in America, like if I grew up in America, it would be much more prevalent. And Mexican chicks are cool. All the Mexican chicks I've talked to are cool. And fuck, I kind of wish with, on the guy side that I had make a lot of Mexicans at school. Because there are certain groups, and again, you can't like generalize a whole group of people. But like at school and growing up and shit, like, I'll say, like, the Tongans and Samoans and, like, Maldives that I went to school with were fucking very funny. It's kind of like how Scottish people have their own lingo. Each kind of culture has their own flavor and shit. And the Islanders were super funny. And, of course, I had fucking Caucasian friends. If you're one of the white guys who were like, white people are funny too. Yeah, haha, we are. Fucking oath. Uh, but, yeah, like, the Islanders and shit just fucking hilarious and it's fun when they let you in on some of it because it's like letting out a bit of a chahu fucking awesome uh but i feel that with mexicans i'm like damn that is something i would also like to get in on i couldn't ever be mexican because i'm like i'm just not i don't think maybe in 2023 i could just be like yeah i i, I identify as mexican but i don't but i'd love to get in on it like, I love the food, but I feel like there's a whole world of chat 
like chat amongst each other and mostly humor that I'm missing. And it just seems like such a fucking strong culture. Like you look at the fighters, they're incredibly hard to knock out. They're incredibly hard to finish. And there's just this spirit. And it's not just the fighters, it's Mexicans. Again, I can't generalize a whole population of people, but there's just kind of like this underdog spirit and they have to and again, not everyone, this is just me fucking talking shit. I smoked the joint, by the way, sorry. Um, but just seems like a lot of them have to fucking work for everything they've had. And it's like by the time, and a fight is just one example, but it's like by the time they get to a cage fight, they've worked so fucking hard just to get to that point that they're just steeled. They're made of fucking the right stuff. So yeah, Mexico interests me a lot. I've never been. I've never been. But I want to. I do want to. So there you go. Those are my thoughts on Mexico. I kind of whack. I was trying not to like veer off track and say anything fucking stupid on Mexican Independence Day. But it's all positive. My thoughts. I just wish, yeah, growing up, I wish there were more Mexicans in New Zealand. Because it seems like a vibe, uh, especially the humor. One other example I'll give you before we get into the next fight. Uh, Brazilians. I have a lot of Brazilians in my life. Housemates, friends. Their humor is fucking awesome. And they have some sayings. Uh, They have some good sayings. Like, in the hands of the clown. uh, Which, I don't know if that's the exact translation. But it's when, like, a gringo, like myself, like a white guy goes over to fucking say Carnival in Rio and they have like pure cocaine. It doesn't have to be any sort of drug, but this is just sort of the picture I'm painting. White guy goes to Brazil, probably wearing, you know, some kind of fucking, you know, I don't know what the version would be. I don't know, Brazilian soccer jersey or something like dressed up, full kit, pure coke or pure ketamine or whatever, drinking but just fucked in the hands of the clown. And when you're the fucking gringo in Brazil, you stand out a lot more when you're in that state in the hands of the clown. So it's like something to think about. Uh, But yeah, Brazilians, I've been cutting on some of these sayings that I love, and there's a lot of them. I've been cutting on a lot of the humor. My throat, what is this, a joint. I need to clear my throat, bear with me. Um... Yeah, I've gone massively off track, but a lot of cultures have humor. Like, every fucking country would be funny. Russians, some of them seem kind of, like, stoic and stuff, but I guarantee you, many Russians would be funny as fuck. Like, the Eastern Europeans, everywhere. I feel like I want to get in on a bit of everything. So maybe I need to travel a little bit more. But Mexico, today's all about Mexico. So everyone else to the side... I'm feeling Mexican today. I'm feeling Mexican today. So yeah, if you are Mexican, hit me up. Hit me up. Because, yeah, I want to get in on the Mexican lifestyle. Also, shout out to MMA Babe, who I believe is Mexican. She does MMA content, which is really good. I follow her for the MMA content. And, yeah, it's a bit lame to sexualize someone, but she's fucking hot, so... 
in my opinion, maybe you don't think so. I think she's pretty hot. So shout out to her. But we follow for the content. Uh, she doesn't really post that many pictures of herself. But shout out to her. Uh, Tayas is hot. Rail Roses Jr. Uh, he's saying on Terence Mitchell he's coming out looking fucking pumped. I'm just thinking as well for the timestamps for this podcast. What point between the Zell Huber fight and this one? Do I timestamp? Like cultural tangent? <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, Terence Mitchell won 11 of his last 12 fights, finished all 14 of his wins, 8 knockouts, 6 submissions, 12 first round finishes, I've seen a lot of them. And the biggest note with respect to Terence Mitchell is that I think a lot of those fights were in Alaska, which only really Jared Cannonier, sorry to anyone else if I'm missing someone, has come from there, but I watch a lot of tape. And every now and then you watch some very fucking grainy footage or the arena's poorly lit or the production's just kind of off. Which doesn't mean that... It doesn't really mean anything, but... Yeah, Terence Mitchell, it was a bit of a punish to watch his footage because of the graininess. But he finished the fights really quick, so I was like, oh, cool. But the records weren't super favourable. He had a huge break between 2017 and this year. Um... Yeah, I'm just trying to think. I've, I've done my research on him. He, We've seen him twice at UFC level. First time on The Ultimate Fighter, around 2017, from memory, gets knocked out by Kai Kara France. No shame in that, right? He has this huge break. Then he resurfaces at my favourite regional Alaskan promotion uh, to watch. And he's winning, he's killing it. Uh, he comes back to the UFC, this time as a bantamweight. Last time against Kai as a flyweight. And he gets knocked out in the first round by Cameron Saimart. So on the surface, it's like, okay, maybe he's not made of the right stuff. But Kai Kara France and Cameron Saimart are both very high-level opponents, in my opinion. Now he takes on Rail Roses Jr., who's a step down, you would have to say. Now Rail Roses Jr., he looked very impressive. First, I heard of him. Shout out to anyone who was fucking following this kid before. Also, side note, he is Mexican. Uh, but we see him on Contender Series as a 17-year-old. Already, that's kind of like the thing. Dana White, I don't do gimmick fights. Also, Dana White, tune in on Tuesday night. We're going to have a fucking 17-year-old fight. Uh, but he, he showed the signs. Like, it wasn't uh, because he was 17. It was like... He looked decent. He takes on Mando Gutierrez, who we just saw on The Ultimate Fighter. I don't think he progressed past the first round. Uh, Sorrell looks good in that decision win. Then he comes out against Joker Gang, Jay Perrin. I remember because I was sitting on my mate's couch and I got a friend uh, text. I got a friend. Shout out to my one friend. Uh, I got a text from Declan, one of my best mates. And he was like, this Joker gang shit is whack. No disrespect to Jay Perrin, I'm just saying what the text said. And he was like, he's going to get finished in the first round. And he did. And Raul Roses Jr., we all loved him. And then so many people turned on him. He takes on Christian Rodriguez, gets totally outclassed, looks like an amateur. Let me quickly say, Christian Rodriguez is an awesome fighter. 
But just a bit of a slap in the face for this kid who's now 7-1. and one. He was talking championships. He was talking all sorts of stuff. And fucking power to him. He's 18. Terrence Mitchell is 33. I think there's going to be a first round submission here. And it could be Terrence Mitchell. We're going to learn. That's my final thought uh, as Bruce Buffer announces the fighters. Today we're going to learn. Terrence Mitchell. The Simon knockout. The Kaikara France knockout. Now he takes on an 18 year old who's still now, we have seen, rough around the edges. He's a fast finisher. He's been able to get it done on multiple occasions. He has experience on his side. Could be a huge moment for him. Or Rail Roses Jr. Biggest favorite on the card. 18 years old. I've got Roses, uh, Roses for first round submission, which is, I think, on the betting market, that's like the clear favorite. But we will see. Today we're going to learn. I'm going to learn right now. Watch the fight, and I will be back in a moment with my thoughts and comments. Bantamweight action between Raul Rosas Jr., who we just saw his mums in the crowd, that's so wholesome, uh, and Terence Mitchell. Let's get amongst it. Holy shit. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry, I shouldn't have cleared my throat. Uh, I'm clicking. And click in the UFC. 54 seconds, that's what I wanted to know. How long did it take? 54 fucking seconds. Raul Rosas Jr., he let them hands fly. Uh, what was interesting going into this as well is that submissions, grappling, that seems to be his realm. But again, like the Giagos Zellhuber result, where Giagos, there was kind of that area you could exploit to submit him. Terence Mitchell, the only two times we've seen him at this level, he's been knocked out. Here again, that was the case. 54 seconds, Rail Roses Jr. Shout out to Terence Mitchell. He came out fucking hot, which made for a fun fight for as long as it lasted. But Raul, this is good. He came off a really disappointing loss. This time, I mean, the hype is definitely back. Major boost of his stocks. Mexican fighter, spotlight position right before the two main events, 54 second finish. And now it's just, we've seen the Rodriguez fight and we know. We just don't get too hyped, but for sure we get hyped. And some people don't like the kid. They were happy to see him fail. He was wooing on the microphone and shit like that. Very happy after that finish. I tell you what. If I was 18 and I just knocked someone out in 54 seconds and I was Mexican on Mexican Independence Day celebration, Noche UFC, I would be fucking wooing. I would be wooing for the rest of my life. I'd be like 70. I'd be wooing to anyone who fucking wants to listen. Raul Rosas Jr., still 18, proves he's up to this level. And I think maybe next up, let's not rush him. Christian Rodriguez was a very game opponent. I don't know who they pick for him next. Let's see though. Again, like Zell Huber, Rail Roses Jr. tick, 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 ticks all across the fucking box. I'd say that'll get 50K. So that may not be the last I speak about Rail Roses Jr. because obviously I'll get into the performance highlights as well uh, at the end of the pod. But first, 
our two co-main events. I keep saying that. There's only one co-main event. The main event, Mexico's Alexa Grasso defending the belt against Valentina Shevchenko. But holy shit, this is my fight of the night next. Jack Della Maddalena up against Kevin Holland. Let's get amongst it. Now, on one side, we have Scrappy MMA's Jack Della Maddalena fighting out of Perth. Best fight. This is the best possible fight they could have made right now. And I think winner potentially gets Shevkat next, just quietly. Uh, but Jack Della Maddalena from Perth, Western Australia. We saw him on Contender Series, decision win over Angelosa, who's looked very good in the UFC himself. Uh, then he just rinsed Pete dead game. Rodriguez, same goes for Ramazan Ameev, Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts, runs through Randy Brown in his hometown of Perth, Jack's hometown, not Randy Brown's, and then a decision win split variety over Basil Hathez. Many people made the argument Basil won that fight. I thought it was very close. I, again, I was happy to see Jack's hand get raised, uh, but he was pushed big time. Now, there were, I think he had two weight cuts in the space of a short amount of time, which isn't an excuse. It's more so maybe a reason why we didn't see kind of the same Jack Della Maddalena that we'd become accustomed to. But now he fights Kevin Holland, T-Mobile Arena, just the one weight cut. And as far as what's going to happen, I have no fucking idea. I have no idea. And that's what excites me the most. I've gone Jack Della Maddalena by decision. I think this is going to go the distance, and I'm picking it for fight of the night. Uh, but let me get to Kevin Holland. Is he, what, 4-1 and one at welterweight? I had that loss, Dr. Stoppage, due to a hand injury against Stephen, Stephen Thompson. Uh, and what interests me about that, his one loss at welterweight, was Holland's refusal to take the fight to the ground. Uh, where Holland... He was clearly at a disadvantage standing with Wonderboy. And we don't know, because he's an amazing kung fu fighter, but we don't know whether if the fight goes to the ground, is he going to take it there with Della Maddalena? Which is where we saw Hefez have massive success. That seems to be the way to beat Jack Della. Uh, now, Holland did pull off a submission win last time out, Darstroke. Uh, but Kiesa, he's vulnerable to those, so I think he leaned into that. I don't know, though. If Holland decides to keep this standing, it could be in favour of Jack Della. Uh, but outside of the loss to Thompson, he has a finish over Alex Oliveira, a finish over Tim Means. Uh, who the fuck else did he finish? Uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio, and of course the first round finish over Michael Chiesa last time out. And Holland doesn't seem to place a lot of importance on any sort of championship run, but... Here he is. A win puts him in and around. He seems to want to fight and get paid. And to be honest, and I don't have any problem with it, he seems in his mind after maybe taking a lot of psychedelics to have decided or just realized like about levels to the game, like, okay, I can beat so-and-so. He can definitely hang, I believe, with anyone. Anyone, like the champion. If, he, if you put him in there with Leon Edwards, he wouldn't be out of place, I don't believe. Uh, but I think he looks at someone like a Colby Covington. That's the name he keeps mentioning. And he just, he knows once it gets to that stage, he's just going to fucking 
get crotch sniffed, according to him. So it seems like Colin's just in that sort of place where he's getting paid. I feel like as well, like he did a bit of a false alarm retirement. I feel like just quietly he's he's getting paid. I think that's kind of where he's at, where he's like, fucking pay me. I don't know if I'm going to get the title, but I'll put on a hell of a fucking show. Every time and all the fucking time. This is his 20th fight in five years. Who else can you say that about uh, fighting at the highest level? Especially in a fucking division right now where at the top things are moving fucking slow. Colby Covington, what are you doing, mate? Get it together. So here we got two very active guys. Jack Della Maddalena. Uh, I believe it's 13. Kevin Holland's ranked 13th. Della is ranked 14th. Uh, they're just doing the pre-fight package. But I want to soak all this up. Like I said, I've gone Della by decision. If he gets the finish, fuck me dead. Like, I think if Della wins, you go Shavkat next. And I would do that with Holland as well. It just depends. Holland might be like, you know, like I just said, where there are certain levels where Holland's like, eh. He may look at Shavkat and be like, oh, that's a bit fucked. But a lot of guys would look at Jack Della and be like, oh, that's a bit fucked. Holland... He's taking the call. Let's see. Stylistically, I have no fucking idea what's going to play out. I think I did the math. Do I have it in front of me? I think I do from my failed predictions podcast. Uh, between these two guys, 52 fights. And 45 of them have ended inside the distance. So fuck yeah. Because it's hard to see either of these guys getting finished. But... When you think of both guys winning, most of the time, it's a fucking huge finish. Holland will not be intimidated at all by Jack Della Maddalena. And likewise for Jack Della, who outside of his last performance at UFC level, something else. And I think he returns to that form tonight. Whether he gets the finish or not, I'm not sure. Uh, but as far as the betting market, I mean, Holland is an underdog. is fucking great value. But I just think coming off... Not his best display. Jack Della's odds inflated. And I was like, now is the time to jump on. So Jack Della, by decision, there would definitely be a bit of Australian bias in there. Because Holland is one hell of a fighter. But Jack Della, I think he gets it done. Highlight portion of this fight, first five minutes. If someone gets the finish in the first five minutes, fuck me dead. Uh, now title picture, Leon and Colby. Dana just insists on putting Colby in there, which at this point I'm like, whatever, but hurry the fuck up. Let's make it happen. Because Bilal Muhammad, he deserves it. He is ready for the next shot. So when you've got a position where there are two guys yet to fight for the title, it's time to hurry the fuck up. Especially when guys like Jack Della, Kevin Holland, fighting all the time. Fuck me, Dad. <laughs> Winner of this one. By the time Colby gets his shit together, and then by the time the UFC give Bilal the title shot, and who knows, there could be some Michael Chandler, Conor McGregor kind of fuckery where they fuck Bilal around. So I'm like, ah, oh. It looks maybe two welterweight title fights next year, and it could be Colby and uh, Bilal. By that time, where the fuck is Jack Della, Shavkat, Kevin Holland going to be at? At least one of them are going to be way more than ready for a title shot and probably next in line. 
So that's why I like Shavkat as the potential next opponent for one of these men. I think winner of this face is Shavkat. Winner of that. In line after Bilal, but you just see what the t how the timeline takes place. You know, maybe they have to fight before then, so they're not locked in for a title shot. But yeah, my brain is spinning. Jack Della making the walkout now. Holy fuck. Yeah, this, like I said, today I'm not here to judge. Today I'm here to have some fun. So I'm going to hit the pause button and I'm going to have so much fun. Jack Della, Kevin Holland. Fuck me, dad. And they could have had this one in Sydney, but I love it in this co-main event, T-Mobile Arena. Jack Della, I've seen him refer to himself as Giacomo Della Maddalena, which I think would be more Italian or something than Mexican, but he's got green shorts on, so people of Mexico. And Kevin Holland's just a fucking cool dude. I would imagine he'd be cool with the Mexicans, and the Mexicans would be cool with him. Let's fucking get amongst it. Kevin Holland walking out now. We're getting amongst it. I'll be back in a moment with my thoughts and comments. Uh, last things I want to say. If there's a first round finish for either of these guys, wowee. Wowee. Colby, hurry the fuck up. Just hurry the fuck up. I assume it's Colby. Colby fucking fucks the division around a lot. And there was the whole Jorge Masvidal thing. But, yeah, it's, I don't know, I just feel like if Colby's the only thing holding it up, put fucking Bilal in there. Colby can fight whoever's next. It's, he's still ranked the highest, I believe, so you could do Bilal Leon and then Colby fucking in the crowd or something if he's not ready. Let's just keep shit moving, because we've got two guys right here who are moving at a rapid rate. Shavkat Rachmanov is not wasting any fucking time. You got a guy like Ian Gary who seems to be very confident. Joaquin Buckley's just moved down. Jeff Neal. Movements are being made, so let's get some movements at the top. Thoughts and comments on this co-main event up next. The decision said, let's make like a banana and split. Split decision win for Jack Della Maddalena. Aussie Pride, he is from where I'm from, yeah, and he's also a fucking sick fighter, sick prospect, that another fight, like striking, so fun to watch, wasn't any point where either guy looked like there was going to be a finish, uh, they're just so good, it was a really good stylistic matchup for both of them, and yeah, that was another one. Going into the decision, I was like, if Kevin Holland wins, I'm happy with that. If Jack Della wins, I'm happy with that. And I think Jack Della said it perfectly. He's like, I'm not a judge. Fuck it. Now, I mentioned Shavkat. Uh, with a decision win for Jack Della, Shavkat would make sense. Maybe they go Kelvin Gastelum, Shavkat, which was going to be on this card. Fuck, that would have been huge. Uh, but another potential one for Jack Della. Maybe they revisit uh, the matchup that was supposed to happen last time out against Sean Brady. Was that supposed to happen last time out? Uh, it was supposed to happen fucking, I think, the one before that. Who fucking knows? Uh, but Shavkat would be an awesome one. Uh, why? I'm going with Sean Brady, though. 
is the narrative. What would interest me a lot... Where's my phone? Fucking give me a second. Sorry, I just need to uh, pull up the rankings. I do. I want to see where Sean Brady's ranked. But uh, last time where we saw Jack Della face his most adversity was in the grappling realm. Sean Brady, where he has looked at his absolute best peak of his powers in the grappling round, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt. Now, last time out for Sean Brady against Bilal Muhammad, of all people. He gets knocked the fuck out. So, Jack Della, potential exploitation area that I'd like to see get tested. The grappling. Sean Brady, area I'd like to get to see get tested. Going up against someone who's a very real threat of knocking him out. Jumping straight back into the deep end of the pool. What's Jack Della's strength? Knocking people out. What's Brady's strength? Grappling. I like it. Brady's ranked number nine. So give Jack Della a chance to jump in the top ten. Ian Machado Gary would be a fucking another epic one. I'm going to say Sean Brady. If he's ready, if he's not, Wonderboy, Shavcat, fucking whoever. Gilbert. Gilbert. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to pick one. I was originally thinking Shavcat, but the more I think of it, wouldn't it be the perfect test for both guys and the winner would be elevated big time? Pay-per-view main card. Bang. Sold. There you go. Fucking thank me later, McMaynard, Sean Shelby. And Dana White. So there you go. Jack Della gets the win by split decision. Unbelievable fight. And yeah, I like the result ultimately. Because like I said, Holland not really showing any aspirations of going for the belt. And whilst that doesn't seem to be the sole motivation of Jack Della Madalena, he has a family to take care of. Man's got to get paid. Uh, he is on that trajectory. So ultimately... Uh, of who could really take the ball and run with it all the way to a title shot. Jack Dallard just seemed to have that little bit of an edge uh, where he still considers himself in the frame. So he gets a split decision win. Fucking congratulations to him. I say Sean Brady next, but first we celebrate. Okay, it's time for the main event. Background music, let me... This is Grasso coming out. Just don't, don't fucking tell anyone. Okay, don't tell anyone I did this. I just want to give you a bit of that noise, because that's where we're at. Valentina's out. Valentina's in the octagon. Um, I don't know how long I can legally keep the music. Boom, it's mute. I think legal amount of time I can play it. Whoa, shit. Background music's back. Um, yeah, but just get amongst the crowd, because the crowd have been... Amazing tonight. She's still yet to walk, so should we yet to see the champion Alexa Grasso? Uh, but obviously, the much-fabled champion, Valentina Shevchenko, Alexa Grasso hadn't put a foot wrong in her road to a championship. First five-round fight submits Valentina Shevchenko. We're seeing the rematch here. Uh, Grasso's walking out. I'm a bit of a party pooper. I'm taking Shevchenko by decision and yeah as long as there's no commentary here I think uh keep it running sorry I feel like the audio integrity of voice 
putting shit in, but today we're, we're gonna get it. She's coming out. Lexagrasso's coming out, so just get a... There we go. John Anik. John Anik's fucking awesome. John Anik has been awesome. He actually referred to Jack Della Maddalena as three name Jack. And doing a podcast talking about MMA, like it's a similar realm to what John Anik does. I consider him the pinnacle. I'm like, holy shit. If I reach 40 years old and I can speak like John Anik, holy fuck, I will be a happy man. He is the pinnacle. All of them are good. DC is so much fun. Dominic Cruz, very insightful. Love Michael Bisping. Laura Sanko was epic last weekend. I like Felder a lot. Uh, who did I miss there? Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, obviously a classic. Only does the American pay-per-views now. Joe Rogan, a lot of fun. One of my faves. John Anik, the pinnacle for me. With Bruce Buffer and his announcing. The absolute pinnacle. Another thing during this card, John Anik said that I liked a lot. Uh, at some point, it was like some kind of thing. And he said sorry to DC. It was nothing to really apologize. He might have like cut him off or something. And to bring DC back in the mix, John Anik just said, sorry champ. Because DC obviously former fucking two division champion. So I'm just like, you know, even when you fucking, you've cut some guy off or made, you know, things haven't gone perfectly to plan. Sorry champ. Like fuck me dead. So good. Uh, and the commentary for this is going to be so good, but ultimately it's about the fight. I've gotten Shevchenko by decision. Grasso has spoken about an intent to finish the fight again. And this is very interesting because I still think Valentina is at the top of her game. But Grasso is at the top of her game and getting better at an exponential rate. That's the thing. Valentina has had a big run up to this point. Still at the peak of her powers. But for Grasso, while she's been around for a hot minute, 30 years old, so only five years younger than the challenger, uh, she still seems like she's got a lot of mileage. Two wins over Valentina Shevchenko immediately cements her as that bitch. I don't want to say it. I just didn't want to say it, but she'd be that bitch in the best way possible. So then we could do Manon Fior, Alexa Grasso, Aaron Blanchfield. It's popping off. But the biggest thing amongst everything, your Tracy Cortez, Macy Barber, even in that mix, there's so many of them. But we gotta first settle. Is Valentina still the one? Is she gonna reclaim the title here? Is she still the one to beat? Or is Grasso going to cement her legacy big time on a card for the first time that has been built around her? Mexican Independence Day, Noche UFC. We've got Bruce Buffer doing the announcements. It's really time. Valentina Shevchenko, quite a cold look in her eyes. She'll be filthy about that last fight. I still think, I think both women are going to present the best version. Oh, drop, drop my phone. I think that was that joint from earlier. Fucking hell. I can see Bruce Buffer. He's doing his it's time thing, even though I can't hear it. I got chills. Alexa. Alexa's ready for this. That's the thing. They're both presenting the best version, the peak of their powers. And 
fucking hell, you would have to say if you hadn't have seen them fight before, both of them at their peak, you'd take the 23 and 4, Valentina Shevchenko. One of those four losses to Alexa Grasso. Uh, but here we're going to find out. Grasso wins this. Un- unbelievable. Now, women's flyweight. There has only ever been one true ruler of the division. That's been Valentina. Beat Joanna Yelchacek to win the belt. But Alexa wins. And even just off the back of winning twice over Valentina, I mean, she's immediately the, the, the one to beat with so much uh, development still left in her. So I'm fucking going to get amongst this. Alexa Grasso, if you didn't know by now, is Mexican. 16-3 and three record. 16-3. and three. So going into the last fight, both ladies had had the same amount of losses. Interestingly enough, one of Grasso's losses, a submission up against, uh, what's her name? Tatiana Suarez, one of my absolute favorites says the guy who said, what's her name? And she's fucking in line for a title shot at strawweight. Sorry for blabbling, but yeah, I'm living in the moment. Not a phone in sight, except when I need to pull up the rankings. They're getting into it. Final thing, final thought, will they touch gloves? And then I'm going to watch this whole fight and come back with my comments. They're looking at each other, right in the eyes. Herb Dean reminding himself to protect himself at all times. And that's a reminder to you too, protect yourself at all times. And to me, just quickly, I need to protect myself at all times. They did touch gloves. We're getting amongst it. I'll be back in a moment. Thoughts and comments. Shaking it up. Live executive decision. Oh, shit. Maybe not shit. No, end of round three. We're doing the championship rounds. Uh, baby. First round, I must be truly honest with you, my listener. Mm, I kind of went a bit fucking 2023 attention span. I don't have TikTok, but I went a bit goldfish brain and was doing things in 30 second bursts. So I have no idea who won the first round, but Grasso definitely won the second. Rocked Valentina uh, with striking looked at stages like maybe there could be a fucking bit of a old finish bit of an old stoppage valentina survives through that though uh, in the second round excuse my chair she was significantly better now she's had six minutes of ground control time had a bit of a tight chokehold on alexa grasso grasso never in huge danger but it was very tight now 15 minutes into the contest, six of those minutes, Valentina has been in control with the grappling. I believe she's won round three, Grasso won round two. No fucking idea who won uh, number one, the first. So we are starting the fourth. And that's when I made the executive decision. Let's go. Championship rounds. This is where the fight's on the line. This is where it's won and lost. And if we're lucky... Uh, we'll get a finish, so I'll see. If there's action, I'll go kind of play-by-play. Play. If they're being more tactical, then I'll shoot from the hip. Sorry. Talking a lot of shit today. Uh, that would be the joint, obviously, why I don't usually. Because, yeah, 
uh, Shevchenko, so 29.28. So one person has Shevchenko, someone else does as well. Again, Twitter, the most awesome source. That's three people on Twitter. So we basically know Shevchenko is now winning. Twitter does not lie. I don't have Twitter, by the way, just quickly while I'm tactically fighting. I don't have Twitter. But yeah, it's kind of like fucking... I think mostly the haters. I don't think the concept of tweeting, like having your own Twitter, is that bad. It's mainly the haters. There seems to be a lot of fucking haters. And in most social media things, this is so off track. Again, why I don't usually smoke joints. Um, But in most social media things fucking there's just haters in the comments like it's very toxic to read instagram facebook everywhere mma funnily enough has some of the most toxic fans not all of us of course mainly the haters mainly the cunts who would rather spend time commenting on posts being haters rather than other things anyway that was my social media take a lot of haters in the comment section feel like twitter full of them none on the ufc we we don't get haters on the UFC broadcast, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I would imagine, you know, Korean John, who I love his work. I watch a lot of interviews uh, where he talks to fighters, which is good for my research. As Grasso and Control her knees to the fucking head. Fucking bang. Holy shit. Multiple knees to the head. She's got her in like a clinch grappling situation up against the cage. The knees to the head. That was substantial. So we... Whatever I was fucking talking about before, we move on from that. Two and a half minutes in the championship rounds. Those knees to the head. Well, people had the scorecards, actually. Oh, we're talking about Twitter. Uh, for Grasso. This, I mean, Shevchenko. Grasso definitely right now winning the fourth. So if Twitter is to be believed for all, if it goes to the end of this round. Five minutes to decide it would be fucking epic. Uh, Now Shevchenko in control on the ground. More ground control time. Uh, Grasso attempting to get up. Doing very well. She's up. She's at least up on her feet. But those knees can't get them knees to the head out of my brain. That, if I was a judge, which I'm fucking not, uh, I I would remember them knees. I would have been like, holy shit. It's ruthless. It's a ruthless move. Uh, Shevchenko as well. I love the gun tap, like the bullet thing. The gun tap looks cool. I'm not a guns man, per se. I don't live in America. America, that's a whole... We're not starting that. We're not starting a gun chat, but... Yeah, the tattoo looks fucking cool. Grasso the champion as well. So you got to wonder, what point does that champion's advantage, which Valentina held for so long... Uh, how much weight does that carry if this goes the distance where you really have to definitively beat the champion? From the three rounds I've seen, I have right now with a minute to go in the fourth, Grasso leading, uh, but then Twitter, who very knowledgeable. And, and the, like, I see Korean John tweeting. I don't really know the other guys, uh, but they're like legit people. I'll trust Korean John. Um, more than my own. So let, let's say it's fucking two all going into the final five. And the judges, who knows? We never know. And that's another thing in the final five. Do you want to leave this championship moment 
to those judges. We've seen so many times for Shevchenko, this is her chance to get back on top. She will not get a rematch off a loss here, even if it's a competitive decision. For Grasso, she would lose her championship. She has the most. They both have a lot to lose. Do you want to leave that to the judges? It looks like, as the round four comes to an end, ah, fucking Grasso is so dope. I'm such a huge fan of both these ladies. It looks like it's up for grabs in the fifth. Now, a lot of the time, it goes the distance. So now, it's, it's all about these moments. Big moments, but also little. Depending on the intent. Holy shit, five minutes to decide it, but my mind flashes to Yuri Prohaska, Glover Teixeira, Leon Edwards, Kamaru Usman, Alex Pereira coming out in the fifth round and getting the win over Israel Adesanya. We've seen some pretty incredible shit. Uh, so a finish is not beyond either of these ladies. And with literally one round, you need to seal it. The danger, though, of trying to get the finish is, say you rush in, you get rocked, or something happens, that could be the moment that loses you the fight. So my mind is a little bit boggled here. We're about to start the fifth. Hopefully you've enjoyed the championship rounds. I don't know, I try to think. I'm like, I do blabble. The social media thing. A little bit whack. But today we're just having fun. Or at least I'm having fun. And I hope it translates. Valentina and Alexa Grasso. We're about to have some fun. Five minutes left. Here we go. Grasso throws the first strike. There we go. She throws the second and third. So she's come out with the intent. Uh, looking at the live betting line, Shevchenko's the favourite. I did, when I, when I was talking, tune out a little bit there in the fourth round. Maybe Shevchenko got it. But, yeah, them knees to the head. Them knees to the head. I'm saying it's on the line here in this, this five minutes. So fuck the judges. Grasso definitely with more intent. Here we go, Twitter. That's what I need right now. Fourth to Grasso. Yep, I agree, Twitter. I agree, I can't see a mute button in the way. Let me turn this down so I can read the fucking Twitter. Grasso showing more layers. Korean John. Grasso showing more layers and being opportune with shots. 2-2. Two, two. I don't need to see any more tweets. Korean John. I like him a lot. I like him a lot. Does cool interviews. Korean John. That's one thing I want to do soon as well. I just want to level up uh, a little bit, but that's something I'm looking at in 2024. Fighter, some fighter interviews going into fights. I'm not saying I'm going to get fucking, you know, top of the pops, but it'll be fun. Anyway, uh, Grasso's bleeding from the eye. Three and a half minutes left. So damage, we've seen damage a lot of the time. Every time the judges come into fucking focus, I'm just like, well, I have no idea what they're thinking. Diego Lopez in the corner, maybe of uh, Grasso. Diego Lopez himself. Very impressive at UFC level right now. Uh, but it's all about the championship. It's three minutes to decide it, so let's tune in. Let's see who's going who's gonna to have that moment. Three minutes would indicate this is going the distance. Uh, it's very hard to find a finish here. Valentina starting to dictate the pace. And yeah, at this point, let's throw the judges' concept out the window because who knows what the fuck they've seen. Grasso, her intent is there. She looks like the one when she's throwing strikes uh, that could more likely get a knockout. 
whereas Valentina more technical, precise. Uh, they both swung there. Valentina was the one that got the upper hand. Again, now Valentina putting the foot down a little bit. It's fucking risky business. We're still two and a half minutes. I'm going to say Valentina up slightly here. So now the onus is kind of on Grasso, but at the same time, champion's advantage. Holy shit. So I'm going to say still two minutes. It's still all on the line, which is wild. That's exactly outside of a, an iconic finish. Uh, this is exactly what you want. Two minutes to go and it's still on the line. A fucking fight night with a championship main event. I would drink to that, but I don't have a drink in front of me. Maybe I should get a fucking cerveza or tequila. Now under two minutes. Two minute warning. Two minute motherfucking warning. Uh, now, yeah, I think Valentina could have the edge. And we've seen a few fights today, and this is another one of them, where either way, whoever gets their hand raised, I have no debate or argument. Oh shit, there's a bit of an exchange. Grasso now on top. A minute and a half to go, 90 seconds. She's hammering down on Valentina. Valentina not defending herself that much. This could get stopped, that would be huge. She's now going for another choke. Can you imagine? I think Valentina now, with just over a minute to go, can last with the ground and pound. Grasso going back to the ground and pound. Grasso uh, is doing some damage. Shevchenko in trouble, but time is on his side. Oh, oh, we got another choke. We got another choke. Holy fuck. I'm, I'm just zoning. I'm zoning in 47 seconds to go. But the biggest thing, this is the moment. This is the moment. Two apiece going in to the final round. The championship round. Grasso. I'm calling it. That's my judgment. Don't know what the UFC judges are going to say. If they do say Valentina, there will be no argument from me. Either way, we'll talk about it, but I think the two-minute warning, Grasso, she's had the better. Like, Valentina, body language, damage. I think Shevchenko had it, and now Grasso, when she had to, she's won it. Two seconds to go. Fuck me dead. And for, I will have a bit of background, quotation marks, background noise. When they read the decision, we're going to do a live decision. I'll do like a couple of seconds of reaction, probably just, whoa, holy shit. Uh, and then I assume they're going to go to interview pretty quickly. So I'll hit pause because we want to hear the interview. I'm calling Grasso. I mean, you heard it here. I wanted to go in on the championship rounds based on what I'd seen. Going into the fifth, it's all on the line. Going into the final two minutes, it's all on the line. And if someone was probably down and needed to do something, it was Alexa Grasso. And I believe, in my humble opinion, as a man who's judged zero fights in his lifetime, that she has done enough. And what a fucking pop it's going to be. If Grasso gets her hand raised here. Uh, Noche UFC. Two wins over Shevchenko is as legit as it gets. Nunes has retired. Shevchenko that next best. 
Grasso's beaten her twice. Manon Fior, Erin Blanchfield, Tracy Cortez, plenty of others in line. Maybe, maybe just maybe, while I'm watching a few of the highlights, Grasso, Manon Fior, Valentina, Erin Blanchfield. Depending on how quickly Valentina turns around. And we've got to see what the aftermath is to this fight, but Grasso. Final two minutes. Uh, if you haven't seen the fight or didn't watch it, that's my take. Final two minutes when it's all on the line. Uh, Alexa Grasso. They look, I was like, fuck. There were points where she was getting hammered toward the end and ground and pound. Where I was like, fuck, if it keeps going like this, which it didn't, like Valentina kept finding the right positions. But I was like, if she keeps getting hit like this, it's going to get stopped. That, to me, is an exclamation mark. Now, I'll just wait a bit, because I know there'll be copyright on the UFC and shit. DC is already there, mic in hand. So, we're just going to get the background noise. I am in my room, just watching UFC Fight Night, which I pay for on Fight Pass, so you could say I am more than allowed to play this in my room. And I'm just watching the decision. So if you just give me a moment. Ah, Jin, here we go. Junichero. Sal. Sal usually comes up with the shit calls, so I reckon it'd be Grasso. Oh. Oh. Does that mean still... I don't know about that. Like I said, I didn't watch the first round. I thought she did enough to win. A split draw, for fuck's sake, is my first immediate reaction. And we're going to get an interview. I'll be back. Thoughts and comments. I need to wrap my mind around that. Told you. Judges. You know what's very unfortunate is in my performance highlights for the talking point, I was going to have it all be surrounded around the Mexican fighters and how the spotlight belonged to them. And this judging has, it, it hasn't stolen the spotlight, but as far as now, the talking point, everyone once again are going to be talking about the judges. I'm not at length today like I've just reached the point where I'm like fuck it right like I have a life to live we all have lives to live you have a life to live and it's like at what point do we just say fuck it now it's different for the fighters because it costs them money but it's like yeah with the judges I'm, I'm already at like fuck it um I actually took a photo of the scorecards now the score the one call that forced it to be a draw was Mike Bell. In that fifth round, he called it a 10-8. The judges did not agree with that. Again, I'm not here to judge, but like I said, there were points where Grasso looked like she could have, excuse my fucking chair. I'm so sorry. It's not been an audio integrity podcast today. Um, 
but like I said just before, um, there were times where Grasso, if it kept on that track, she would have finished it. But each time Shevchenko found her way out of that situation. So I think 10-9 uh, would have been more fitting. But here we go. Let's let's do the judges' scorecards. So overall, Mike Bell had it as a draw. So Mike Bell is the one responsible here uh, for this decision in round one. Everyone across the board. So Sal Tomato, Sal Tomato, uh, Junichero, Camillo, and Mike Bell. Mike Bell. Sal Tomato, Junichero, Camillo. Fun names. Decisions made. Uh, Mike Bell comes in with a fucking view of his own. Just quickly, upcoming schedule. Next weekend, Fazeev Gamrot from the Apex. That'll be epic. Uh, then Dawson. Grant Dawson against Bobby Green. Not as epic, but Grant Dawson's looking good. He's in the top 10. Then Sadiq Youssef and Edson Barboza. Don't know why I'm doing those voices. And it's gone. Back to the scorecards. Uh, so everyone had it 10-9 in the first. Which, like I said, that was the round I didn't pay attention to. But Twitter told me, Korean John told me, that it was 10-9. So we can say unanimously... That bridge has been crossed. Round one, where's my pen, where's my paper? Do a little V for Valentina and a little A-G. You get two because you're the champ. Uh, V. That's one for V. That's one. Uh, then in round two, ten nines all around for A-G, Alexa Grasso. So we can definitively say going into the third, uh, it's all even. So let's focus now on round three. Mike Bell gives it to Valentina. And like I said, that was when I, I came in after this round. Uh, Valentina won all across the board, which was how I saw it in the third. So at this point, Valentina is up around. We then go into round four. Uh, now, Shevchenko for Mike Bell, Grasso for Seldomato, and Grasso for Junichero Camillo. So there you go, Valentin won the third. Then I said, damn knees. Damn fucking knees. But Mike Bell saw it a little bit differently. He saw it for Shevchenko. So, oh no, sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm fucking... It's kind of hard to read these scorecards all at once. So round four, correction. So let's say Valentina up 2-1. In the fourth, Grasso has one vote and... That was from Junichiro and Sal Tomato and Mike Bell both went for Shevchenko. So at this point, she's on track to win the belt. And it's 10-9, 10-9 for Grasso in the final round. And yeah, Mike Bell with the 10-8. It'd be good to hear from him, but we never hear from the judges. So, yep, let's fucking, <laughs> let's forget about it. Let's forget about it. And that's what happens. So... Yeah, no, nobody won. Across the board, the fans won. A lot of people won tonight. But in the main event, nobody won. Now, what's next? I say no rematch. I say no. Dana White says, I don't give a fuck what you think, Michael. Fair enough. Uh, but Manon Fior, give the woman her shot. Give her the fucking shot. I want to see Manon Fior... Alexa Grasso, what a battle that would be. 
Valentina. There's a bad taste left in my mouth after this of like, there's, she is not defin, and I'm not meaning this in a negative light about her, but that does not definitively at all say, okay, no, now, you know, she doesn't get a title fight next. The fucking, uh, so mind boggling. I would like to see her fight Aaron Blanchfield and then the winner of those two fights fight each other. And by the time you get to that fight, massive. But I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, yeah. It's with the judges. It's like, what's the point? You know, I don't want to fill your day with just that whole conversation. We've had this conversation before many times. Maybe not us two personally. Uh, but yeah, this is a conversation that is being had all the time. And, you know, one thing, and I don't know if you do this or whatever, but this is something that works for me. I try mostly if things are stressing me out, and I have anxiety, I always have, so things do stress me out, things make me anxious. I just try to worry mainly and focus on what I can control. Can I control what's going on with the UFC judging? No. And so it's like, fuck it. But then it's also not like, fuck it, because fighters are getting fucked over. What a rabbit hole. I don't think you're going to mind if we park that. I want to keep this under two hours. So that was the main event. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know how to summarize that. It looks like Shevchenko on the scorecards should have been the champion. In my blazed view, I thought Grasso did enough. There's champion's advantage. <sighs> They'll do a post-fight presser for this, won't they? I think I'm going to need to watch that. I think I'm going to need to watch that. And also a side note, more UFC content than ever about to pop off with not just a sports report. I am going to be doing... So basically, some of the other content I do is Australian sport. That wraps up in a couple of weeks. So then, maximizing UFC. Uh, the one I want to bring back... And my major goal that I do not want to miss another one this year, the preview podcasts. Because my picks have been pretty fucking awesome across the board. And I don't say that to be self-indulgent. Like, I kick myself because I'm like, wouldn't it be great to share the tips? Not that you have to put money on it and stuff, but then it's more, you know, listener friendly. We can build that kind of rapport that I've done my research and... The purpose of the preview podcasts aren't, it's not gambling related at all. I like to focus away from that. I find it makes uh, the picks better when you're not thinking about it. Uh, but overall, I just put information out there. So say if you are betting on it or you're just watching it and you're like, who the fuck is this cunt in the prelims or something? You're like, I never fucking heard of this person. You can hear about him from me. I'll tell you some shit. I really will. Uh, but yeah. That was the main event, and fucking hell, I got some other shit ahead today, so I actually got a bet that's live in play. Last leg, San Francisco 49ers. I don't actually follow NFL that much, so let's let's hope that's a good bet. Um, What else? Performance highlights. I'll finish really quickly by going through my performance highlights. It's just, the main events kind of mind-boggled me. I will say as well... Uh, like I'll go back to what I was saying 
preview podcasts. They're going to be coming out thick and fast. Uh, but once the Aussie sports have wrapped up, I also want to do one weekly podcast. Because uh, all my pods are always about the card taking place that week and reactions. I also want to do one talking some MMA news, like big fight announcements, things like that, which could be a lot of fun. Uh, so look forward to that. We're going to finish with performance highlights. Let's let's just get amongst it. I don't even need to hit the music. We're already gone a little bit over time. I've got my pen. I'm writing down the timestamps. You want to know why? Because I appreciate you guys and girls. So I put the times in the bio. So sometimes if you're like, fuck, will this guy shut up about social media and shit like that? You can just be like, oh, boom, I'm going to go straight to Roll Rose's Genia vs. Terrence Mitchell. The time is right there. Uh, so we're coming up to the 141. Sorry for keeping you today. I thought the championship rounds would be a bit of fun. This fucking pen. This fucking pen. Today we're chilling, though. I want to put my chill energy across. Pen's not going to stress me out. 141. Why would a pen stress me out? <laughs> fucking hell. Um... Performance highlights. I got it here in my notes. They're also up. If you got to the point where you're like, fuck, I've had enough of this guy. Performance highlights are also going to be up in visual form. Now, it's not going to be broken down quickly like it will be here, but you can just see it. Fight of the night and shit. So, at not just a sports report on Instagram, if you want to check all this stuff out, we're going to go through it quickly. I want to get this done. And. It's only 1.41. Uh, this will be done well before two. Let's get amongst it. Cover. Oh, that one wasn't needed to be revealed. I always like to make a cover for them, of course. Uh, the cover, I just wrote main event. I didn't know what was going to happen now. What I make the cover? Mike Bell? Should I? Should I? Maybe I will. I might make it a Mexican fighter. Maybe even Grasso. I think that's more fitting. But my intrusive thoughts say... Mike Bell. Talking point. Uh, this is what it was before the main event. Mexican stars take center stage. Uh, now it is. It's going to just have to be something about the judging. And that's not my fucking fault. So thanks, judges. Uh, fight of the night. I went with Jack Della and Kevin Holland. Could have been the main event. Uh, just the judging played a part. I'm not. I can't. I can't say that's fight of the night. So I went with JDM and Holland, three-name Jack, Kevin Holland. It wasn't the most mind-blowing fight, but a successful card overall. I enjoyed every single moment of it, even the Josephine Nutson part at the start where I was sleeping. I was so fucking tired. I went to sleep at like 4 a.m. and got up at like 9 a.m., 9.30. And you want to know something else as well? I wasn't going to say it, but it's kind of funny. My cat sleeps in my room and never goes toilet, but the door's shut, so if he ever needs to, he kind of has to, which, so, you know, can't get annoyed at him for that. Uh, one also very nice thing he does is when he does go toilet, he will go, to and it's not very often at all, but when he has traditionally had to do it inside, he will always do it on something, a towel. He will never do it on the carpet. Shout out to you, Sir Teddington. Good fucking job. Uh, but this morning I woke up and I had had three hours sleep. 4am, got up at 7, he's meowing at me for breakfast. And I can smell shit. 
I'm like, this is not good. I live with two girls. And, I mean, what's to stop them thinking, that's my shit smell? And at 7 a.m. on three hours sleep, it was unconfirmed. Was this coming from my butt? I'm really going off track. Uh, But essentially, he shit on a pair of my shorts. And I had to get up. I had to throw it in the bin. I had to smell. You know, I had to get the fresh smells going. So, yeah. By the time Nutson rolled around, I was just like, I need to lay down just for a little bit. I, I was called up before I was ready. The shit smell really forced my hand. But like I said, nothing today is stressing us out. And that didn't stress me out. Kind of grossed me out. I just, yeah, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. You don't want to get a message from one of the girls saying, um, sorry, mate, but your room reeks of shit. It was a bad smelling one. That was the part. Anyway, sorry for that information. Fight of the night, Jack Della Maddalena, Kevin Holland. A fight that smelled nothing like shit. It smelled awesome. So, yeah, fuck yeah from an Australian perspective as well for Jack. And fuck yeah always for Kevin Holland. Always brings it. Uh, Then my next performance highlight, I hadn't confirmed. It was before the main event. And still, or and, new. Well, it's and still grasser. I'm going to have a think about that, whether I put that in, whether I do use that spot for, you know, a highlight of the Mexican fighters. We shall see. Performances of the night. Um, I'm going to go with four. I'm going to take and still out. But respect to Alexa Grasso. I fucking love her. And I have no problem with the result. I just, I'm past the judges at this point. And like I said, whoever got their hand raised, I was fine with it. Uh, performances of the night. Royal Roses Jr. Knockout of Terrence Mitchell. 54 seconds. That's going in. 50k for that young man. And I'm sure his mum will, you know, just say, kid, be responsible. Daniel Zell Huber, the golden boy, ticked all the boxes. Submission win. Uh, did exactly what he needed to do in a feature position. Submission win over Christos Giagos. Daniel Zell Huber, he's going in twice. Once in performance of the night. And also... Uh, On cards, I pick a top prospect. Now, there are certain fighters... I have a little system, we're not explaining that today. Uh, But there are fighters like Tracy Cortez and Roman Kopolov who have transcended top prospect for me. So I was more looking at who's the next top prospect. I went with Daniel Zellhuber. Like I said, great submission win, looked fantastic on the feet. Now, Raul Rosas Jr. was one spot up on the card had a hugely emphatic finish but we know now that Roses Jr. needs a bit of time. Zell Huber under Eric Nixig at Extreme Couture developing very nicely looking good and like I said ticking all the boxes so what's next for him I don't know exactly but something very exciting so performance of the night and top prospect honors for the golden boy lives up to the nickname I think uh, Lupi Godinez, submission win. I'm, I'm going to throw that in there because she's not because she's Mexican. That sounded like I just did it because she's Mexican. But, you know, featured prelim. 
Most of her wins by decision. She does have a submission in her. But that's exactly what you want, you know? In terms of ticking the boxes, to come out and just give that little bit extra when it's the home crowd fla uh, flavor. Lupi Godinez did that and more. And she's got a very high ceiling and still a lot of growth in her game. So Lupi Godinez just happens to be Mexican, but the performance of the night honors uh, were for that submission. And that got the crowd going. And then the crowd didn't stop until the fucking judges. Uh, but yeah, fantastic stuff, Lupi Godinez. And then I went Roman Kopolov. He's a big deal. And he's the real deal. Put the man in the top 15. That's what I'm going to say. I think he's ready to be in the top 15 right now. Massive body shot, but all around just masterful performance against Josh Fremd. Put him away. Did everything he needed to do. Roman Kopolov, ladies and gentlemen. Moment of the night. That's where I'm going to put the Mexican showcase. There we go. Another live executive decision. So, talking point, judges, fucking, fucking hell. That's what I'll say. Sorry, I've sworn a lot. Sorry. Fucking. Anyway. Moment of the night. Mexican showcase. I'll word that better in the post, but... Zell Huber, Tracy Cortez, Rail Roses Jr., Alexa Grasso, at the top of the card, Edgar Chires. Mexico was out in force tonight. And the best part, the Performance Institute is only just in its infancy stages. Mexico, right now, the scene has exploded. But five, ten years time, it is going to be booming. And I think we're going to see a lot more champions from out of Mexico. So there's, there's your spotlight. Maybe Zell Huber. Who knows? Could be one of them. A lot of things on this card. One other thing, uh, quickly, I want to do once I've got a bit of extra time la later in the year. Uh, I was thinking of doing every now and then different weight divisions and just like a look at the title frame kind of thing. Like pull up the top 15 and just talk about the top 15 starting from the champion and kind of like what's going on. I mean, if it was heavyweight, you've got Jones, you talk about the Nganu thing. All that shit, Stipe coming up. Then look, from rank number one uh, down to 15. And yeah, just kind of have a look, have a talk about what's going on. Could be any division. I'm just thinking out loud. Uh, only one thing to go. And that's what's next up. I've gone with four matchups. Manon Fior to challenge for the belt next against Alexa Grasso. The thing is, Grasso, Blanchfield, Manon Fior... I've been looking at all of them, and when I say Grasso, I mean before she was the champ, uh, as potential ones that could be the champion. I thought more so Manon and Blanchfield. To be honest, though, I think it's Fiore's time, and then it makes total sense for that next matchup to be Shevchenko and Blanchfield. Boom, bam, there's a bit of a title picture right there. Uh, the other one, Kyle Nelson versus Cub Swanson. Just book it, Toronto, January, and Jack Della, Sean Brady, which I spoke about before. One thing I also spoke about before, trying to get this done before the two-hour mark. I'm sorry I blabbled. I know I went the long way around things, but I had some fucking fun, so hopefully you did too. Sorry if you didn't. 
that's it for today. Those were my thoughts and comments. We leave it on a bit of an anticlimactic note, given the main event decision. Kind of anticlimactic that a lot of the cards coming up are Apex cards as well. Uh, but we move. My cat is scratching at my door. Maybe he wants treats. I don't know. Maybe he wants to talk about the decision. Maybe he too is baffled and has something to say. Can you imagine if I opened the door and on the podcast you could hear my cat talking in the background? And he was like, oh, no, I had a 10-9 uh, grasso in the last. <sighs> Talk about blabbling. We're calling it. We're calling it. Have a fantastic week. Fantastic week. Hopefully you enjoyed the card. Predictions pod coming out during the week. I'll have to check whether I'm working. These thoughts and comments podcasts, it's just if I'm working, I don't do it. If I'm not working, I'm always watching the UFC, so I'll do it. Signing off now. Thank you so much for listening and have a bloody fantastic life. Have a fucking awesome life. Hopefully you spend some of it listening to more of the podcast because we're going to be going all out. Thank you. Fucking hell. I also forgot. Uh, Because of the way the main event went down, we finished strong with a Mexican champion and still not two wins over Valentina but she's still the champ it's Alexa Grasso's time that's just basking it I guess Chihuahua